Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to the Niner Sports Talk. My name is Bryson Foster. I'm the sports editor at the Niner Times, and today I am joined by one of our sports writers, Mason Curtis. Mason, thanks so much for coming on, man. This is going to be a, a lot of fun, and man, we got a lot to talk about. Uh, but let's jump right in. Let's talk about Charlotte's men's basketball team, the CBI Tournament Champions. Last week we talked about it. Me and Josiah queued things up, set the stage, and man, the 49ers came through in a big fashion against the Eastern Kentucky team. 71-68 win for Charlotte. Now, it was a big start for the 49ers. They played really well at the start, got out to a big lead, led by 18 at halftime. But Eastern Kentucky was charging at the end. Charlotte holds on to win by three. Um, but let's talk about the Cooper Robb revenge game. That's kind of what we're calling it, Cooper Robb, uh, a former Charlotte 49er who transferred uh, from the program. He played really well in the contest um, and almost – pulled off the big victory and the big upset for Eastern Kentucky. Uh, but Montre Gibson was clutch down the stretch. Big threes, big performances all around. Mason, what are your initial thoughts from the CBI tournament final? Uh, from the final, I mean, Cooper Robb, uh, obviously, like you said, used to attend UNC Charlotte. I mean, he led the team in scoring uh, with 17 points, and uh, he had a clutch three-pointer with about 50 seconds remaining that, you know, cut their deficit to one point, and uh, – I mean, he had a big performance throughout the whole CBI, but it, uh, I mean, he really shined in that final game against his former team. I definitely agree with you. And if you look at Charlotte's stats, Ali Khalifa had 20 points, four rebounds, four assists, uh, eight of nine shooting from the field, four or five from three. And man, he was really big to start the game, came out of the gates firing. Uh, Montre Gibson, like we said, had big threes down the stretch, 13 points, three or four from three. Uh, Isaiah Folks was big. He had 10 points on 5 of 6 shooting. Um, Lukai Patterson had 11 on 5 of 7 shooting from the field. Bryce Williams had 6 points, but he really gave it up, really facilitated in this game. And that's really the magic of Bryce Williams is that he can do it all. He knows what's asked of him. Uh, but big win for Charlotte, uh, 71-68. I think for a while for me, I was struggling to find that breath. It was really uh, nerve-wracking, wouldn't you say? Oh, yeah. I mean, down to the last three, four minutes of the game. I mean, Charlotte, I remember Gibson hit a three to extend their lead to 10 with about four minutes remaining. And after that, it just kind of went downhill for Charlotte. EKU started to really mount a comeback. And if uh, Montre didn't have that assist to Isaiah Folks in the final 20 seconds to put them up three, I mean, I don't know if they could have pulled that one out. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. And, you know, I always say this. This is a saying I love. Uh it's not how you win, it's if you win. And Charlotte did just that. Uh, let's look at the implications of this win. The first postseason title for the 49ers. The first 20-win season since 2012-2013. And the most wins since the 2000-2001 uh, season. Um, which, honestly, good for the 49ers. Really good win for the program. Uh, but we turned from the highest of highs to... Kind of some lows that happened yesterday. Um, Ali Khalifa and Bryce Williams have entered the transfer portal. Dun, dun, dun. That's not great for the Charlotte team. Two of their big key pieces from this run that are transferring. Um, but you got to think, these guys probably received offers from Power 5 programs. Um, 
Bryce Williams especially has just been incredible. And it is a shame to see him go because I feel like he really came into his own. You know, we battled the injury. We really desperately wanted him to come back. Um, and he has done that um, for Charlotte. Played really well. But sadly, he's going on to bigger and better things. Um, and then Ali Khalifa, that came out of left field, wouldn't you say? I mean, really was not expected. Oh, yeah. I mean, I love both of them, Khalifa and Williams. Uh, it's sad to see both of them go. Uh, starting with Khalifa, I mean, he's had big performances all year, 20 points in the final uh, game of the CBI tournament, like you said. Uh, he was a big presence in the paint for the Niners, and uh, he also had a lot in his bag. Uh, his court vision is great, and his ability to shoot the basketball uh, gave him a big advantage, you know, as a center or power forward. And Williams, I mean, he's been phenomenal all year, and um, the only thing I would critique is that he only was he only started 13 out of 36 games, and being the phenomenal basketball player that he is, I think he might have deserved more starts than that. And, I mean, just touching on both of them uh, – his both of their work ethics and level of maturity will take them far in basketball and in life. And with that being said, I wish them the best of luck in their future, and I thank them for what they've done for our basketball program here. Really well said. Really well said. Bryce, you know, the son of Henry Williams, the all-time leading scorer, whose jersey hangs proudly in the rafters, and Ollie, you know, has been really, really good. These two players are going to be desperately missed for Charlotte. But, man, we wish them luck. We've seen how well – Jameer Young has done, and Jameer Young's coming back to Maryland for another year. Um, just really cool to see um, these guys going on to the next level. We're going to miss them, um, but Charlotte will have to lean on some of these younger guys, which, you know, you, you look at some of the people that are coming back. Isaiah Folks, who played really well. Nick Graves has been a really good player for them. You get Threadgill back again. Lukai Patterson, most likely. Um, so, the pieces are still there. Then you get players like Rich Rolf, who are coming up as well. So, um, but yeah, they've entered the portal. Moving on to Charlotte baseball. Um, last night, big win for the 49ers. They improved to 11 and 13 overall, three and three in the conference, and they won two straight. Uh, let's recap this Gardner Webb game. Uh, 49ers fell behind in the top of the first 1 0. Will Butcher um, had a sacrifice fly that brought in a run to tie things up. The second were all the Bulldogs. Um, they score two runs, go up three to one. Here, um, Gardner Webb looked really good. And then in the fifth, another run. Um, Anderson with a sacrifice fly for them. It was four to one. 49ers found themselves in a hole. And then in the fifth inning, Jack Dragum homered four to three. Cam Fisher, his 14th of the year, if you can believe that. Homers to right field and the seventh ties the game up. Will Butcher. Man, I just love that name. Let's just say he slaughtered the ball for another home run. And 5-4, to four, 49ers come back on top. Top of the ninth, Gardner-Webb ties things up. And then a walk-off as Will Butcher advances to second on a wild pitch. Fisher goes to third. And the most important part of it, Jack Dragum scored and the 49ers win. This win is, is really big for Charlotte. They come off a series against Dallas Baptist where they underperformed. Uh, you know, they lost that series 2-1. to one. But they went eight to one in that final game there, and then they beat Gardner Webb six to five as they go into Birmingham this week. Um, really, really good for this Charlotte team to have a win like that. Come from behind, backs against the wall. Hey, we're not phased. We're gonna win this thing. Cam Fisher, thirteen homers 
uh, this season. Not exactly sure where that ranks, but that is in the top five because he was fourth in the nation or tied for fourth with 13. Man, just a really good win for Charlotte baseball. Mason, what are your thoughts on this win? It's definitely a big confidence booster. We should talk about last week with South Carolina, but it's got to feel good to have one of those back-and-forth contests that you pull out at the end. Being able to win that last game of the series, I think they uh, really needed that win against Gardner-Webb. And it was a crazy game, but, I mean, Fisher extends his hitting streak to nine games and got his 14th home run of the season. I mean, that's huge. And, uh, I mean, their lasts were hot. They won 8-1, to one and, um, I mean, they had a lot of hitters. They had DeFranco with a single, Austin Knight, Will Butcher, and Dra- uh, Jack Dragum. So, I mean, if they can keep the bats alive, I think they can do well in the rest of the season. And, you know, going back to Cam Fisher, it feels like we're talking about him every week. But that's just the truth. When you're performing at a high level, your name's going to come up. Cam has just been really, really fun to watch. He's really matured coming to – this role, you know, after last season, burst onto the scene, and now he's just doing his thing. You can tell he's having a lot of fun. He's playing relaxed, not too stressed about anything. And and that's good to have a hitter who's doing his thing who, hey, if you need a hit in the bottom of the ninth or, you know, bases loaded, two outs, Cam Fisher's your guy. And I think for Charlotte, it's just really good. This Gardner-Webb team is also a good team, but Charlotte being able to beat a good team Build that confidence, you know, have, have a little bit of a deep breath. Makes you think, hey, uh, we're going to get it together. And I believe this team is still a favorite to win the Conference USA. Sometimes you just get it at the beginning of the season. You know, you, you got to get all the pieces together 24 games in. I think they're doing that. I think that record's only going to improve there. Charlotte baseball, 11-13. and 13, um, Long way to go in the season, but a big win against Gardner-Webb. Moving from one side of the street, at Robert and Marion Hayes Stadium to Sue M. Daltridge Stadium, home of Charlotte softball. That's one of my favorite things to say, going across the street. Uh, Charlotte softball has really, really been putting it together lately. 19-12 and 12 overall, 7-2 and two in the CUSA. Now, let's talk about last week. Last week was big. Me and Josiah were here. We talked about that Virginia Tech game. Hey, Charlotte had beat these uh, gals last year at home. They're going up to Blacksburg against number 11. Charlotte won that game 3-2, to two, come from behind win. Big one, big one for the 49ers, which just adds to their impressive repertoire of teams that they have beaten. And then um, going into last weekend, they hosted UTEP. 14-3 win, 9-8 win, 6-0 win. Uh, a sweep of a CUSA opponent. Big stuff from Charlotte softball. They've been putting it together lately. And today, they've got a game against the UNCG, which today is Wednesday. This podcast will come out tomorrow. Um, but UNCG is who they play today. Let's talk about this, right? So UNCG, last year, Charlotte hosted the Spartans. And it was not a fun game. It was not a good result. 8-1 to one loss to the Spartans. And the thing about this was I would almost say that when – started kind of a spiral for the team. They didn't really play great in the second half, were an early exit in the CUSA tournament. Um, but against UNCG today, a key, you got to get the bats going early, which doesn't seem like that's been an issue lately. Um, Charlotte softball against Virginia Tech, that's a grinded-out game. Hey, it's going to be defensive, but we got to find a way to win it. And they did, and then UTEP, they were just the bats were red hot. Um 
What are you looking for in this game, Mason? What do you think Charlotte softball can do to kind of avenge their loss last year? Um, I think, you know, reiterating what you said, I think they do have to get the bats hot early. I think that, you know, UNCG is a team that can, you know, really hit the ball well, and Charlotte needs to kind of keep up with that if they're looking to put up as many runs as UNCG can. And, uh, I mean, just to touch on Sam Grass, uh, she won Pitcher of the Week, and sure, win-loss ratio is 12-4 to 4 on the year, which is um, tied for 13th in the nation. Uh, she has a 1.9 ERA with 65 strikeouts. I mean, had a great game against Virginia Tech, and um, I'm ready to see her performance the rest of the season. Yeah, definitely really cool to see. Uh, I feel like we talk about Sam a lot, but the truth of the matter is this. Sam has been pretty darn good this season and has, you know, done her part as a transfer. That's what they really wanted to get out of her was, you know, this great record these stats that they're getting. Same winning pitcher of the week, I just think, is a nod to what she's doing. Um, and, man, she's been been really good. I think the pitching has been the key. Sam went last week for Virginia Tech, played really well, was really the reason why um, they kept things in the park and things went, went really well. Um, let's look at some other players I think you got to keep an eye on in this game. Two we always bring up. Bailey Vinoy, she's up to the batting 329. Nine homers. Um, once you would say player of the week a couple weeks ago, Cassidy Krupit's been amazing. 386, 39 hits, five homers, 27 rubies. Um, and then somebody else, Ariana Roddy, who has been playing really well, has been uh, kind of turned a corner lately. She's batting 255, 14 hits, four homers. New addition for this team. She's a freshman, if you can believe that, playing like a vet. Um, instant impact for this team. Um, and that's just really good to see. Those are kind of. Three on the offensive side. Defensively, you know, Sam is really it. And then Corey Hoffler, too. Um, she's just a really great defensive player. Goes and puts her body out of the line. That's what you like to see. Uh, before we move on for Charlotte softball, let's give some predictions for today's game. Mason, I'll give you the floor first. Who you got, Spartans 49ers? Uh, so, I mean, the Spartans are also coming off their own 4-0 week, and uh, – they lead the Southern Conference at 3-0. I mean, it's going to be a difficult matchup no matter what for the Niners, but I think they can pull out a win if they can keep their bats alive and pitch well like they've been doing. And, I mean, I have UNC or UNC Charlotte winning that one. I agree with you. I think Charlotte um, remembers what happened last season. They're not happy about that. That's not a result you look back on too fondly. I think they're going to win this game. I think the bats stay hot, but it's going to be 8-6. to six. That's what I'm saying. Uh UNCG just a more in-depth look, 22-12 and 12 overall, and they've won eight straight games. So, going to be a fun one to watch. Seems like two teams that are getting hot at the right time. It's going to be interesting to see uh, today. Uh, let's move into the national sports sphere a little bit here now. Let's talk about March Madness. This week is Final Four week, which, if you know me, I'm, I'm pretty sad that March Madness is coming to an end one of the best sports tournaments, one of the best times of the year. I called it the most wonderful time of the year the other week. And I think that's really true. Um, if you're a sports fan, you got to love March Madness. Let's look at these uh, final four games. Last year, we'll talk about this more, last year it was the Blue Bloods. This year it's not the Blue Bloods. Not even close. But you've got two matchups that are going to be occurring this Saturday. And then the winners, the two winners of these matchups, will go to the Natty on Monday. Um, San Diego State, the number five seed, 
has made the NCAA tournament's Final Four. And the number nine seed, FAU, FAU, yes. A CUSA team has made it to the Final Four. And then on the other side, you got number four, UConn, who looks really good. And number five, Miami, who has just made a run through their bracket. Let's look at how these teams got here. San Diego State, right, we talked about it, had a matchup with Alabama last week. They beat the Tide, handled them pretty easily, beat them by seven. And then a game that's kind of shrouded in controversy, San Diego State and Crane, San Diego State holds on to that one point. When FAU on the other end talked about how they have a game against Tennessee, they beat Tennessee by seven and then held on to beat the Kansas State Wildcats. On the other side, the Miami Hurricanes met number one Houston, and they took care of them, beat them by 14, which is very impressive. That's the one. Then the next week, they beat Texas, the number two seed, to get to the Final Four. And then UConn has just run through every single team that they've played. Arkansas, 88-65. Gonzaga, which, in my opinion, I thought that was going to be a great game, 82-54. That's how these teams got here. Um, Mason, what do you think of these Final Four teams? Um, And, you know, we'll talk about predictions later. But who do you like, and what do you think these teams do strongly? I mean, first off, uh, the Final Four looks very different than it has in the past. You know, we don't even have a one or a two seed even a three seed in the final four and uh i love to see fau in the final four being from conference usa i think that's huge um you know i i've been watching a lot and i think uconn i think you're right about them they've been a force to be reckoned with and sonogo their big man i mean averaging 17 points and seven and a half rebounds a game i mean he's been a dominant force inside the paint his physicality and athleticism gives him advantage over undersized players and his ability to rebound the ball really allows him to create extra opportunities for his teammates on the court. And, I mean, UConn shooting as well. I mean, Jordan Hawkins, I mean, he has been lighting it up, shooting 41% from the field. His, uh, his jump shot's beautiful. And his ability to facilitate the floor and get his other teammates involved impresses me as well. And, I mean, Miami, being able to come back almost every game they've been in in the tournament, they were down 13 to Texas, but found a way to pull it out and – uh I mean, they're looking stellar. Uh, Isaiah Wong, ACC Player of the Year. Um, Jordan Miller, 7 for 7 and 13 for 13 from the line to break Christian Leitner's record. Uh, in the last three games, Miller's averaged 19.6 points, and uh, his 27 points against Texas was a large reason large reason for their comeback win. And um, touching on FAU and San Diego State, I think that's going to be a great matchup as well. I mean, FAU has great depth, and they play good defense while shooting well. And San Diego State is known for their defensive ability to, you know, kind of shut down teams. And I think it's going to be a very interesting matchup. Uh, I'm really looking forward to the Final Four. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. Um, You know, just some players to watch, like we mentioned, Sonogo for UConn, Hawkins for UConn. That's a scary one-two punch. Like, they really know how to feed off of each other, and they've done it. I really like Isaiah Wong. Um, Isaiah Wong splits doubles, double teams with ease. The easiest I've ever seen it. And, you know, he was kind of off in that first half against Texas. But, man, when he turned it on, when he got things going, um, you know, he really turned it up and played well. And that's why they moved on. Jordan Miller, I know that must hurt as a Duke fan to break Christian Leitner's record. Good. I'm, I'm glad he did as a Carolina guy. Uh, but, man, 7-7 from the field. 
13 and 13 from the line. You don't see that, especially in an NCAA tournament game. Jordan Miller said, hey, when the pressure is on, give it to me. I want to perform. And then Nigel Pack is someone who, you know, Jordan Miller has had such a great performance. Nigel Pack's been really good for them. Great transfer, great pickup. And him and Wong have just been really good together. Then you look at FAU. John L. Davis is insane. He is such an athletic player. Changes the game. 14 points per game, 5 rebounds. Gets FDU, he was the first player to record uh, this stat line. 29 points, 5 steals, 5 assists, 12 rebounds. Yeah, that's a lot. Uh, And then you've got Golden, who is the paint protector um, for FAU. And I'm excited to see his matchup with a rope. I think both of those guys are really going to go at it. But San Diego State, Matt Bradley's been amazing. And Darian Trammell has been really good as well. They need those big shots. They go to those guys. Um, let's talk about our predictions for this. I, I'm i really intrigued to see. I think all of these matchups can go either way, truthfully, um, which is good to see. You know, I said last week, parity is present in the sport, and that's a good thing. Uh, Mason, I'll let you do your picks first. Who you got going to the Final Four and who's going to be your champ? Uh, so starting with the FAU and San Diego State matchup, uh, might be a little biased take, but I'm going to take FAU in that one. I mean, their depth and just their ability to shoot the ball and play defense, I mean, I think they could keep San Diego State out of contention, honestly. If they can continue to shoot like they've been shooting and just keep up their defensive pressure, I think they could shut down San Diego State. And I I see them winning that game 71-62. And then uh, heading to Miami and UConn's matchup, I mean – this one's a little bit tougher. I mean, UConn has run through almost every team they've played in the tournament. And, I mean, Miami's come back down from large deficits to, you know, stay alive and head to the Final Four. So, I think that's an interesting matchup. I think, yes, it can go either way. But I'm going to stay with UConn on this one. I mean, they've been crushing it all tournament. And, I mean, I don't know how Miami's going to look to shut down both Sonogo and Jordan Hawkins. I'm interested to see that. But I have UConn winning that one let's say, uh, 73-65. Um, I'll do my final four picks, and then we'll give our champions. Um, San Diego State, FAU, man, I would love to see the Owls keep going. I really do. But just something about the Aztecs. I really see them getting to the final um, and just doing enough right to slow down that FAU attack. So I'm going to pick San Diego State. I think that'll be a close one, maybe like 52-50. I think San Diego State slows the game down. Gets FAU, that's key, and I think they'll do it. Miami and UConn, man. Uh-huh. So in my bracket, Miami um, was a team I picked to go to the Final Four. Now, on this podcast, I said I had A&M, but the day of the tournament, I switched it up and picked the Hurricanes. Thank God I did, because A&M was out in the first round. I like Miami. I want them to go far, and I think that they've got the team to do it. Man, UConn looks good. And I think UConn-San Diego State is going to be the final. I think UConn wins it probably 80-77. I think these are going to be close games. Like, I, I don't think that uh, they're going to be blowouts. I think for UConn, like, they have to show they can play in a close game, and I think they will. And then um, I'll do my title pick. I think UConn's going to be the champ. It just feels like you get San Diego State, it's going to be really tough. Uh, UConn's a lot more athletic, so I'm going to pick the Huskies to win it all. Oh, yeah, I agree with you there. Uh, I pick UConn to win it all, and 
I think if they do end up playing against FAU, it'll be a close game just because, you know, the Owls have shown that they will never quit and they're not going to give up. I mean, they're the highest seed in the Final Four. So, uh, But I do have UConn winning it all, and I think the final could be a close game, like 75-72. Cool, cool. I think uh, let's move on to the women's tournament. It is the Final Four for the women as well. Uh, both of these matchups will occur on Friday. Championship is Saturday night. Um, so, or Sunday night, excuse me. A women's tournament, let's look at the teams that are left. The number one seeded South Carolina Gamecocks and the number two seeded Iowa Hawkeyes. And then on the other side, in the final four, number one, Virginia Tech, number three, LSU. Let's look at how these teams got here. We'll do this quickly here. South Carolina um, has really run through every team that they've played. They beat Norfolk State, beat South Florida, beat UCLA, and took care of Maryland. All of those results have been 10-plus um, which is, you know, South Carolina's been dominant. They are undefeated. They have yet to lose a game, which at this point, being 35-0 and is crazy. Uh, and then we'll look at their opponent, Iowa, was such an electric team. Um, they beat Southeastern Louisiana. Then they beat Georgia. Then they beat Colorado in a game that a lot of people wanted to see. Uh, Iowa and Louisville. Iowa won that one as well. And then on the other side, the LSU Tigers um, have been really good. They beat Hawaii handily, beat Michigan, beat Utah, the two seed. That one's down to the wire, and then they took care of the Hurricanes. And then the Virginia Tech Hokies, the one seed, their first trip to the Final Four, they beat Chattanooga, beat South Dakota State, beat Tennessee, and then the Ohio State University. And that's kind of how we got here. So let's look at some of these teams. Iowa And South Carolina has to be the most anticipated women's matchup, I would argue, ever. Um, People want to see what goes on here. South Carolina is a great defensive team. They are intense. They are athletic. But Iowa, man, Caitlin Clark has been unreal, and that's a player to watch for in this contest. Caitlin Clark, 27.3 points per game, which is number three in the nation. And against Louisville in that Elite Eight matchup, triple-double, 41 points, 10 rebounds, 12 assists. Magic Johnson even took to Twitter to say, hey, you know what? Jordan, Bird, and myself have never done that. 40% from three for Caitlin Clark. My Lord, that's that's a good percentage. And against Louisville, man, she was just popping it from all over the place. Um, She's just a great player. And honestly, I think whoever gets her in the WNBA draft uh, has found their franchise player for some time. And then you got McKenna Warnock and Monaco Chisano. Uh, for Iowa, who also score the ball really well. And then for South Carolina, Aaliyah Boston is a beast. Um, 13.2 points, 10 boards. Just some stats on her. She's a two-time National Player of the Year, two-time first-team All-America, and a natty champ. She won the first one last year. And then her, the backcourt duo, Zaya Cook and Bria Bill, have been unreal for them. Zaya Cook, I think, is uh, a spark plug. She's somebody to watch for because if she's on, it's going to be a long night for the Hawkeyes. Virginia Tech has unrivaled shooting. I mean, some of the best that I have seen. But LSU has revenge on their mind. They've met the South Carolina Gamecocks before. Um, and South Carolina beat them pretty handily. Um, Kim Mulkey's got that team playing really well. Um, let's just look at some key players. Elizabeth Kitley for Virginia Tech. She's averaging 18.2 points and 11 boards. Shooting 56% from the field, which is very efficient. 
She's a two-time ACC Player of the Year, and she's the program leader for the Hokies and points and field goals. And then Georgia Amore has been unreal, lights out from beyond the arc. She's a three-point special. She shoots 35%. This year she was the 2023 first team, all ACC. And then for LSU, Angel Reese, who's a transfer from Maryland, has been unreal for them. She does it all. Uh, she's called the Bayou Barbie for a reason. She's multidimensional. And let's look at her stat line, why don't we? 23.2 points per game, 16 rebounds. She's All-America Honors as, at Maryland, and now she's doing it again. And Alexis Morris has been great for LSU as well. Really good matchups here. What are your thoughts on these two, Mason, the women's Final Four? Uh, so talking about the uh, South Carolina and Iowa matchup, I mean, like you said, I think it is the most anticip- anticipated uh, matchup of the year. And, I mean, K- K- Caitlin Clark. I mean, second most triple-doubles in women's college basketball. She has 11 total, which is 15 behind number one, Sabrina Unescu. And, I mean, like you said, 27.3 points per game, triple-double against Louisville. I mean, she's been phenomenal this year, probably one of the best female college basketball players I have seen in my lifetime. Mm, I definitely agree. Her ability to facilitate and just score the ball on all levels, I mean, it— it's a threat to any team she matches up against. And, I mean, South Carolina being undefeated and, you know, having the chip on their shoulder after winning the championship last year, I mean, that matchup is huge. And, I uh, I mean, it could go either way. And uh, I think it's going to be uh, hard for USC to shut down Caitlin Clark. But if they can handle that, I think it'll uh, better their chances of pulling out a win. And then uh, going to Virginia Tech and LSU, like you said, I mean, Virginia Tech's ability to shoot the ball has been lights out this year. And, uh, I mean, LSU, I know they won't revenge against South Carolina, but I don't know if they're going to find that. Uh, losing earlier in the season to South Carolina by more than 20 points, I think, kind of shows that, you know, they're vulnerable to losing and losing by a big margin. So I think when it comes to Virginia Tech and LSU, I think uh, – Virginia Tech can handle that, and I mean, if they can continue to shoot the ball like they've been doing throughout the regular season and the tournament, I think they can run away with that one. Yeah, you know, South Carolina-Iowa is such an interesting matchup, because Caitlin Clark is such a great player, it's hard to guard her, and in my mind, the only way the Gamecocks can is if they double or triple her and make the teammates around her shoot. Caitlin's a great passer, though, but the thing about South Carolina is this, the length of Iowa worries me. And I just think Aaliyah Boston knows how to attack. Um, and, and Dawn Staley's amazing. Man. She's just a great coach. She knows how to slow these teams down. And they've been in these situations before. I think it's going to be interesting to watch uh, for sure. And then LSU-Virginia Tech, I think it's going to be a fun matchup. I think um, that matchup between Kitely and Reese is going to be fun to watch for sure. Uh, I do think these are the four best teams in college basketball uh, for women's uh, for the women's side. Um, I, I'll do my predictions first. I'll give you the floor. I think the Gamecocks are going to beat the Hawkeyes. As much as I want to see Caitlin Clark get to the title game, I think uh, South Carolina is going to have too much. But I think it will be a close game. I don't think South Carolina is going to run away with it like they have. Um, so I'm going to pick the Gamecocks. Then on the other side, LSU, Virginia Tech. I like Virginia Tech a lot. I think that they're a really good team. But for some reason, I just see the LSU Tigers – Throwing a couple punches, throwing a couple haymakers and getting past them. Um, I think these games are going to come down to the wire. I don't think they're going to be blowouts. And then South Carolina, LSU, I, I think 
that the Gamecocks are going to do what they've done. They're going to finish the year undefeated, and they're going to be the champ. Uh, what are your thoughts? Uh, so, talking to or my uh, predictions for the Iowa-South Carolina game, I, I agree with you there. I think South Carolina is going to hold off Iowa and shut down Caitlin Clark. Maybe not necessarily shut down fully. I think they'll just, you know, she might not have her triple-double against them and have 30-plus points, but... If South Carolina can handle Caitlin Clark, I think they can pull that out and uh, make another trip to the finals. And then uh, going to Virginia Tech and LSU, I uh, I disagree a little bit. I think LSU has had a great run this season, but if Virginia Tech can just continue to shoot how they've been shooting, I think that they could pull out, you know, maybe a double-digit win, maybe 70-60, to 60, and then going back to South Carolina, Iowa, I think that South Carolina, it's going to be a very close game, but I think they're going to pull it out maybe with a score of about 61-55. And then for the final with uh, Virginia Tech versus South Carolina, I'll have South Carolina winning that one about 58-54. I think those are fair scores for sure. Um, But, yeah, man, just some really good Final Four matchups on both sides, men's and women's. It just feels like this year has been, especially the women's tournament, normally, you know, it's all the one seeds getting there. It was not like that this year. You had two one seeds get knocked out early. Um, so it's been it's been really fun to watch. And, man, it's sad that these tournaments are coming to an end because basketball has been on my television for the last month nonstop. Uh, but it's going to be really fun. I think we're going to have some explosive matchups to cap off another great March. Um, but as March Madness ends... Major League Baseball comes back. Opening day is on Thursday, March 30th. Uh, We're going to briefly talk about the top five projected teams and really who we think um, is going to win the American League, the National League, who's going to be the home run leader, MVP predictions, and Cy Young Award. Um, And then we're going to talk about who we think is winning the World Series. So, Mason, give us a rundown. Who are the top five teams? Who are some players to watch for? And what should uh, viewers expect when it comes to a new MLB calendar year. So heading into the opening day, we have a number one power ranking as the Houston Astros with some uh, players to look out for, Jordan Alvarez. He was sixth in home runs last year with 37 total. Uh, rookie uh, Jeremy Pena last year had a great performance in his sophomore season is looking very promising. Uh, we have the Padres at number two, and Tatis is uh, returning to the majors, but he still has 20 games due to his PED suspension where he'll be playing for the Padres AAA affiliate in El Paso before his return. Then we have the number three Braves, and uh, Cunha's back at full health, as we saw in the World Baseball Classic, and he could be a possible MVP candidate. And then we have uh, number four, we have the New York Yankees. Uh, Obviously, Aaron Judge is uh, coming off a historical 62 home run season, which is the most in Yankees history. And he was also named Yankees captain for the first time. And at number five, we have the Los Angeles Dodgers with uh, star players Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman, and Trey Turner, who had a monster, uh, just monster games in the World Baseball Classic. And they placed first in the NL West in 2022. And they had four out of six starting pitchers that had under a three ERA, which is, I mean, that's kind of hard to compete with. And um, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think all five of those teams are going to be really fun to watch, but the team that everybody is sleeping on is the Cincinnati Reds. No, I'm just playing. The Reds <laughs> are not very good at all. But, yeah, these, these these five teams for sure, really interesting. The Astros have been there. They've done that. They know what's asked of them. The Padres, though, made a run 
to the NLCS. Something they haven't done in a while. Uh, and then the Braves, of course, if you're a Morgan Wallen fan, the 98 Braves song has been stuck in your head. But, man, the Braves are always so fun to watch. And, uh, you know, North Carolina does not have a baseball team. So for many people, the Braves are that hometown team. Um, and the Braves won the World Series in 2021. Finally cool to get over that hump for them. Yankees are amazing. Aaron Judge is unreal. And the Dodgers, man, they really have a hitter's row there. Betts, Freeman, Turner. Um, and, you know, you think they've got to be the favorite to kind of get back. But, man, I don't know. The Padres beat them. They knew how to get around them. So it's going to be interesting to see. I think all five of those teams are are going to be fun to watch. And I think there's a lot more. I think like teams like the Blue Jays uh, and, and teams like the Mariners who – had really good seasons last year, are going to be fun to watch um, out of the American League. And then also some teams in the National League. I think the Phillies got to the World Series last year. Um, and then you also got to look at the Giants, who were at the top of their division for a while as well. So, um, But let's get into some of these predictions of who's going to finish where. Um, I guess we can just talk about the three divisions and who we think is going to be the champion out of that. So, I'll give you the floor first. Let's start with the AL. The AL East, the Central, and the West. Who do you think is going to win it? Um, for the East, I have the Yankees. And then for the West, I have the Mariners. And I didn't actually get to my Central picks because uh, I'm a little bit biased for American League. I have the Yankees winning it. And uh, after coming off their season last year, yes, they didn't make it to the World Series, but I'm hoping they can make a run at it. It's been a long time for Yankees fans since we were actually in a World Series, so... I'm, I'm looking forward to their season. All right. So, uh, you know, American League, got those down. You got in the National League, and then I'll give mine. I have the Braves just taking first overall. I mean, Acuna back at full health, I think that's huge for them. And uh, if he can perform how he did a few seasons ago in his, you know, quote-unquote prime, if he can get back to where he was, I think that he could lead the Braves to, you know, another World Series. And I think he could make an MVP run. So I do see the Braves taking the National League. So in my divisions, I think uh, in the AL East, I'm going to surprise you here. I think the Blue Jays are going to win that division. I think the Yankees will get a wild card, though. I don't. I think that a lot of the time those wild card teams that have those games, have those momentum. Uh, AL West, in my opinion, it's going to be the Strohs. I think the Mariners have a good shot to win it, but outside of that, the A's were terrible last year. Rangers are kind of figuring things out. And the AL Central's up in the air, just like the NL Central. I think the AL Central, I... It's hard to pick, but I think the Guardians are the old faithful pick there. I think the White Sox make it interesting, and they'll make it the wild card. And then the NL East, I like like your pick of the Braves. I think the Braves will win it, but I think the Phillies will be close behind. It'll come down to, I think, the last couple of games. NL West, Dodgers, easy pick there. I think Padres make it close. I think Giants make it close. I think you could have three teams out of the NL West. And then NL Central, ugh. It's kind of tough. You kind of got some ad teams. I am a Reds fan, but I'm not a stupid Reds fan. We're not going to be good. Um, hey, if we can finish third in the division, I'd be happy. I think the Cardinals win it. That's kind of one of those picks where it's kind of like, I don't really know, but that's kind of who I pick. And then out of the AL, I think um, the Houston Astros will get to the World Series. I think they'll probably get the Yankees in the ALCS, and they'll beat them in seven games. And they're going to kind of limp into the World Series. And I think on the NL side, for some reason, I just really think uh, the Braves are going to get there. And then I think you're going to have Braves and the Astros again. And I'm going to pick 
the Atlanta Braves to be World Series champions. Home run leader, who do you got? I think for me it's Aaron Judge. I think uh, that's a pretty easy pick. Uh, I agree with you there. Thinking about it, I mean, he towered over everyone last season when it comes to how many home runs he had with 62. But, I mean, I'm I'm a little torn because I could see uh, Kyle Schwarber. I mean, he finished in second last year behind Judge. And, I mean, it could go either way, but I do hope Judge repeats it and takes home number one again in home runs. And, I mean, that's what I'm hoping to see. I think that's pretty fair. I think uh, for sure Judge is going to win it for me. What about MVP? We'll do our National League and American League. Who do you got first? Um, first, I would have to go for uh, National League. I think I'm going to have to go with um, Ronald Acuna Jr. Uh, I saw him during the World Baseball Classic, and he looks to be at his highest level of play, how he used to be before his injury. And I think he's a big front runner for me heading into the season. And then for American League, uh, I would love to see Aaron Judge. I mean, after winning or after having the home run record last year, I would love to see him even perform at a higher level and take on the MVP. I think that would be amazing. Yeah, I think Judge wins the home run um, race again. He's going to be my MVP for the AL. I think that's, I just think if you win that, you most likely you're going to, I mean, especially if your stats are kind of, you know, up there as well, which his is. For the National League, man, I'm kind of left scratching my head a little bit. But uh, you said Ronald Acuna. I think that's a good pick. I'm going to go with Juan Soto, I think. I think, um, you know, he kind of was getting used to playing with the Padres. I think Juan Soto's uh, in line for a a big year for sure. Let's talk about Cy Young Award. I'll go first. Uh, For me, I think when it comes to the AL, uh, I'm going to pick Garrett Cole to win, which might be a little – Interesting. I know that a lot of people are probably going to laugh at me about that, but I think he finally turns a corner this year. And then when it comes to the National League, I think Max Scherzer takes it. I think I think him or Verlander um, for sure because they're both on the Mets, which that's freaking scary. Who who let that go through? I mean, yeah, I totally agree with you there. For the National League, I also have Scherzer, and then for American League, I'm going to say Otani. I mean, he's a he's a great pitcher, and I mean. I would say an even better batter, but uh, just his high level of play. I mean, he's probably the greatest baseball player I've watched in my life, and I would love to see him, you know, have more accomplishments in his career and, you know, win a Cy Young, win a home run, or be the home run leader, win a World Series. I'd just love to see his career to continue to progress. I think that's a good pick. He's a modern-day Babe Ruth man. I mean, he he does it all, and I think – you know, Mike Trout is a good player you got to watch for in this race. I think the Angels are one of those teams that I think MLB fans want to perform well because they have two of the best players of our generation. And so I think Shohei Otani is he's unreal. He's a different he, – he's, he's from a different planet. There's no way he's not because of the amount of stuff that he does. I think that's a really good pick. Uh, it's too late to change mine. I might have to change mine. I don't know. I think Otani might might be out Garrett Cole, but I'll stand by my prediction. We already talked about my World Series champion. I think the Atlanta Braves will win it in five games. Um, what what are your thoughts? Uh, my biased opinion would have to be the Yankees, being a big Yankees fan. But if I'm being completely honest, I think the Astros have a good chance to win it at all. I mean, their starting lineup, it, it's absolutely loaded with star players and seasoned veterans who can perform on both sides of the field. And they have experience you know that can take them far in the playoffs and I think that on paper they have one of the best teams and I have them 
winning the World Series in f- six games. I think that's definitely fair. Um, I think the MLB season is upon us, and man, the sounds of spring are here, and it's just going to be really, really fun to watch. Every year with the new MLB season, excitement comes with it for sure. Well, that's going to be all the time that we have today. Mason, thank you so much for stopping by, man. It's always fun getting to talk sports with you, even though, you know, you're a Duke and a Yankees fan, whatever. But uh, but thanks for coming by. I really appreciate it. Oh, yeah, man. Thank you for the opportunity, and I'm um, honored to be here. And just thank you again, man. I, I really appreciate it. Well, we'd love to have you back on sometime soon, and thanks for talking ball with me. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we will see you next week. Thank you so much for turning in to the Niner Sports Talk.